0: And and like I said, I've never celebrated 100 years of anything. I mean, I was here when we had the centennial, right, when our nation turned 200 years. But as a church, man, 100 years, you know, that's a long time. And God has been faithful. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share with you um, a passage of Scripture where we see you know, God's faithfulness. And hopefully we could take away, um, you know, three things that will help us to try to motivate us us as a church to move forward to the next hundred years. So if you have your Bibles, could you turn with me to Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 1. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. Now this, just a little bit of a backdrop, Joshua had already crossed the Jordan River, Okay, so he and the Israelites were going into the promised land, but they had one thing that was blocking them, the Jordan River. And so this is after they crossed. And it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests were standing, and carrying them, carry them over with you. And put them down at the place where you are to stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign Among you. And so basically, the the Israelites had already crossed, and the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they were standing in the middle of where the Jordan River once flowed. And what Joshua told them to do is he told them to pick up 12 stones. 12 stones. And so they were doing that. And now he explains why they were going to do that. And he said, um, It will serve. As a sign for you. And then he goes on to the next uh, verse. It says, in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You ought to tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so why did they want the stones? Well, he was going to put up a memorial to remind the Israelites what he did. That he allowed them, that it was through his power that they were able to cross this Jordan. But what did he say? He goes, when your children ask you, when your children ask you, this is what you're going to say. And the first principle I see from that is we all need to have stories that tell of God's faithfulness. We need to have stories that tell of God's faithfulness because stories are powerful because, you know, we're social beings and stories connect us with one another. And with the information that we're trying to communicate with one another. Because there's a part of our brain that activates when we hear stories. And it's amazing I've gotten to the point where I can't even remember how many sermons that I give. Right. And sometimes our, our, our week, my week is so busy. I even forget what I preached about the previous week. But it's really interesting that I could, you know, run into people maybe five, 10, 15 years ago. And they said, Pastor Dave, I remember the story that you told. This one person said, I remember the story about the cabbage that you told. And you said, before we were believers, we were as dead as this cabbage. You know what I'm saying? Wow. They remembered. And some people remember the stories. They don't remember the point I was trying to make, but they remember the stories because stories are powerful. They're a powerful way for us to connect with people and to remember certain things that happened in our lives. You know, many years back, we did a series on spiritual development, and we talked about the four levels of spiritual maturity that we all go through in the same progression. The first level, we said, was exploring Christ. Now, at this level, in our spiritual maturity, we're just checking out Jesus. We're checking out God. We're not so sure, but, you know, maybe our friends invited us to church, or maybe maybe there's some questions we have about God, but we're just checking them out. But then after we've you know, heard about Jesus, we've experienced Jesus, and we make that decision that, you know, I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Then we enter into the uh, growing in Christ stage. And in this stage, you know, we become all excited because we're in a new relationship with God. We find out that our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and that there's a place called heaven that's awaiting for us where we will live in eternity. So we don't have to be afraid when we die. And, um, but there are certain things that we're still kind of not sure about. We said, God, you want me to love my enemies? Wow. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I want to do that. You know, God, you, you, you don't want us to be, you want me to be patient? You want me to be kind to people that don't like me and I don't like them? Ugh. Well, what's the thing about tithing? You want me to give a portion of my hard-earned income to the church? Yeah, you know, you know, I'm not sure about that. And so in this area, we're kind of struggling with trying to obey some of the harder teachings in God, uh, that God um, teaches us. And then third stage is close to Christ. This is when we say, okay, God, I'm going to look to you for my advice and my counsel, that you are the Lord of my life, and... Um, The decisions I make are going to be made based upon what I understand in Scripture and not what I understand from the world. Okay, the world's not going to define me. It's not going to define my value system. Scripture is. Then finally, we go to that christ Center stage where this is the Apostle Paul stage. This is where, God, whatever you want, I'm going to do. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. Wherever you want me to give, I'm going to give it. Whatever you want god i 'm all in, but the sad thing is the majority of us spend our spiritual life on the growing in Christ stage. You know, level two the average Christian plateaus at level two, you know and when you first come to Christ you 're excited and you 're telling all of your friends, but if you 've been at level two for five, ten, fifteen. 20 years, and when you're really, all you care about is, you know, God, you know, what's in it for me? You know, how do I make my life better, more comfortable, where our Christianity is, you know, all about God's blessing and hanging out with each other as a church? If that's all we stay at, guess what? We have no story. Why? Because we have just become like the world. And if we become just like the world, if we are not the salt, if we are not the light, we don't have a story to tell. And this is why there's very little evangelism done in stage two, because we don't have a story. Because people want to know, show me what, how Christianity has changed your life. Show me how your faith has made a difference in your life before you tell me about it. Right? But if we don't have a story, what do we go and tell them? Well, you know what? Jesus died for your sins. Right? And you're gonna to go to heaven. Well, I made that decision over 40 years ago. And if that's the only thing I've got, that Jesus died for my sins that's a great thing. That's a great thing. But if that's the only story I've got to tell in forty years of my faith. Do you think that's going to impress people? It's not, you know. And if, as we as a church, if all we care about is ourselves and you know just getting together and have this good old time and not care about the world out there, not to have a mission to change this world, we are the same thing. We don't have a corporate story to tell. So, brothers and sisters, it's important for us to have. A story, But in order for us to have a story, we need to be faithful to God, to obey him when he calls us to do things that are scary, to obey him when he calls us to do things that are different, because people listen to stories where you could see God come through. And it says, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And that's what these stories are about. The second point is remembering God's faithfulness is key to our future success. You know, we all have situations where we forget about God's faithfulness, right? We've all seen God come through in our lives, but then all of a sudden a new situation comes and we God, how do I deal with this? Man, this is harder. This is more difficult. This is scarier than anything I've ever experienced before. How do I deal with this? And we forget about God's faithfulness. And so what do we do? Um, we start to, our planning mode goes into, we, uh, we kicks in. Well, we start, okay, how do I figure this out? You know, how do, you know, what resources do I have in my knowledge, my experience, my education that will help me out of this? And we start to worry, and we forget, and we forget that God has been faithful. You know, as I look back in my own life, And I've shared this from the pulpit. And I could stand before each one of you and look you straight in the eye and say this is 100% true. God has never failed me. In my 40 years or so of walking with Jesus Christ, God has never failed me. Now there have been plenty of times when I didn't understand why he would allow me to go what I was going through. There are plenty of times when I questioned God's Plan when I was going through certain things, but as I look back a hundred percent of the time, God was faithful, and I always ask myself, Dave, why do you get so worked up you know when things all of a sudden God throws you a curveball you know haven 't you learned in forty years that God you know has always come through for you you know it 's the key for us to do that, and forgetting about Forgetting God's faithfulness will prevent us from moving forward because it increases our doubt in God's ability to come through for us. Mission Valley, if we forget about God's faithfulness, that is going to hinder us from moving forward. And why is that? Because any new experience, any direction that we feel that God's calling us to go, to step out of our comfort zone as a church, if we forget about God's faithfulness, then doubt and fear and anxiety will creep in. You know, we need our leaders to say, you know what, God was faithful for us for the past hundred years. He, and he is going to be faithful for, to us for the next 100 years. Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Because God is going to be with us. So leaders, it's really important that all of us are on the same page when we remember God's faithfulness. Because there are times when our congregation is going to be fearful, just like the Israelites. But leaders, it's our responsibility to what? Encourage them to move forward. Even in the face of giants. The next um, thing, and I think this is one of the most important lessons that I've learned, you know, as a pastor, is that the way God worked to bring us here today is not the way He will work to get us where we need to go tomorrow. Okay. The way God worked to bring us here today a hundred years is not the way he will work to get us to where we need to uh, go tomorrow. And once again, why don't we look this up and said uh, Joshua chapter three, starting from verse 14. Now we're gonna go before the crossing. We just talked about what it was like after the crossing. Now we're gonna just go um, rewind a little bit here. And so when the people broke camp, To cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage, which just means the water level was really high all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite. And the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan, and they stood on dry ground while the Israelites, Israel passed by until the whole nation completed crossing on dry ground. And so this is how um, the Israelites crossed the Jordan that the priests were carrying the Ark and the Covenant, and they were marching towards the Jordan, and when the feet touched the water, then the water stopped. And God stopped it about 20 miles um, upstream. Now, this wasn't the first crossing of a sea of uh, a body of water. You know, in Exodus 14, 22, um, Moses writes, and the Israelites went through Oh, excuse me, 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and it turned into dry land. And the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and to the left. And so here Moses just stretches out his arm and this blast of wind comes by, and it just separates the water. Okay? Okay. But then we see another incident, and this is in 2 Kings um, 2, verse 7, and this is with Elijah and Elisha. It says, Now 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped um, at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck, it, struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Three different crossings of a body of river. And three different means for them to cross the river. And when I see scripture, and I was reading scripture, it never ceases to amaze me that God rarely works the same way twice. You know, his methods are the same. Meaning that we need to go to him in prayer. We need to apply the scripture in our lives and be obedient to him, and we need to step out in faith. You know, that never changes. Um, the method never change, and the goal never changes. And the goal is that God is glorified and that our faith through whatever we're going through is increased, and that doesn't change. However, the means to get to that goal are always different are always different it's amazing you know you you take a look at um, numbers 22 where you see Balaam he was going in a direction that God didn't want him to go so here he is riding on his donkey right and he goes and the Bible tells that the angel of the Lord with had a sword and he blocked Balaam and his donkey but the only problem is Balaam couldn't see the angel only the donkey could so what happened the donkey goes to the side and tries to pass through. And as the donkey goes to the side, what does the angel do? The angel goes like this. And so the donkey says, okay, I'm going to go to this side. The donkey goes to this side. And this side, there's a wall, and he starts crushing Balaam's leg. Why? Because he sees that angel. And so Balaam gets so mad, he starts beating that donkey, right? And the donkey turns around to him and says, why are you beating me? What have I done? Have I ever acted like this before? And then Balaam is crazy. He's even answering his donkey. And he was saying, you are making me a fool. If I had a sword, I would kill you. You know, and then all of a sudden God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel standing there, right? So he goes into the direction that he wants to go. Then we see another guy named Jonah. Jonah. Right? What did Jonah? Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he went the total opposite direction. So what did God do? Did he send the angel of the Lord to stand in front of the uh, dock with a sword to prevent Jonah from getting on that boat? No. What did he do? He got a fish to swallow Jonah for three days and then spit him out. You know, when Jonah changed his mind, that's how he got Jonah to go in the right direction, right? It wasn't an angel. It took a fish to swallow the guy. You read this over and over and over and over again, that God uses different uh, means to accomplish his purpose, right? And so why does he do this? Why, wouldn't it be easier if, if everything was just the same, Right? And said we would know. But the key is in Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua told the people, "Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. God wants us to be amazed. This is why he did this. Yes, we know that he wanted to establish Joshua's leadership. But I love that when Joshua says, Guys, get ready. You're going to see something amazing tomorrow. God wants us to be amazed at what he could do. And, you know, by doing things differently, he's telling us that there are an infinite amount of ways that I can accomplish what I want to do. And there's nothing I can't do. And I want you to see something amazing. This is why he does things differently every single time. In over 100 years, I know that you know, the pastors here have seen God come through in amazing ways. In amazing ways that amaze their congregation. But Mission Valley, let's make no mistake. God is not going to do the same thing for us. He's not going to do the same thing for us. We will be seeing God work in a totally different way, in totally different ways, in ways that are amazing. And to me, that's exciting. That's exciting. Because, you know, for, let's say, Joshua, you know, if the people said, oh, yeah, oh, you know, the, the sea parted. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> Moses did that, you know. But it it was totally different for the people Who crossed the Jordan. And I could imagine if I was one of the Levites and probably I didn't have the faith that they did. So I'm carrying the Ark of the Covenant, right? And Joshua says, March toward the Jordan. So I'm marching towards the Jordan and I'm expecting a big blast of wind to come up because, you know, my dad said this is what happened. Because you got to remember that the people that were crossing, most of them had died because they were been wandering for 40 years, right? or they were kids when they saw that. So I'd be walking towards the Jordan, expecting God to just part the Red Sea, and we're getting closer, and we're getting closer, and I'm going, okay, did Joshua hear God right? The Jordan's still there. I can't swim. What's going to happen? And so we're marching towards the river, right? And then all of a sudden, as soon as my feet touch the water. That's when the water stopped. Right? Wouldn't it be easier for us if we just expected God to show up in the same way and he said, okay, well, you know, last year, under, you know, when Pastor Gary here was here, this is what God did. Ah! He'll do the same thing for us. and We'll just relax and rest in that. And when it doesn't happen, what happens? We start freaking out. Wait, it was supposed to happen like this. It's not happening like this. And the reason is that God wants us to be amazed. So Mission Valley. You know, we're uh, moving forward into an exciting time where God is going to amaze us. Is it going to be scary? Of course it's going to be scary. Are we going to be a little anxious? Of course. Because God's going to ask us to do things that are out of our comfort zone. God's going to ask us things that we don't think we could do. Right? And when when we think he's going to show up in a certain way, he's not going to show up that way. And the only thing that we're going to have to rely on is our faith. That 100 years that God has been faithful to us this past 100 years, I don't know how he's going to work. But I do know that God will be faithful to each and every one of us and us as a church. Let's move. Let's uh, pray. Worship team, please come forward.